right, so please, let's give Mr. Norm Clark a big welcome to Dr. Dave Schwartz. that occurs about every six months or so, give or take. Um, we're really excited to be here, and really excited to be here with Norm especially. So uh, I know we just gave him a round of applause, but since he's getting it on video, let's give him another round of applause. something snappy to say about that. <laughs> um, well, we know that you're full. I uh, had it first. I know, I know. That's why, I'm, that's why he owes you and not the other way around. Right. Um, I'm sure that uh, you've got some amazing stories to tell and we definitely want to get into that stuff and I know that's what the audience wants to hear too, wants to hear as well. Um, but real quick, just to frame this, and I don't think there's anybody here that doesn't know who you are, but you know, as recently uh, retired from your role at the Review Journal, but how do you describe your career? What, how do you describe what you've done? How do I describe what I've done? Grew up in a real small town in Montana. Age 10, my father died. Uh, months later, I lost my eye. I spent most of my teens um, unfocused and angry and became a newspaper boy. And read the frickin' newspaper from cover to cover and changed my life. Believe it, truly yeah. did. So does that mean that print is not dead? Or does print even matter? Newspapers can exist without uh, the printed page. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Uh, do, is that. Does that mean that print is not dead? People keep saying that in our new digital era. I thought you said, Prince is not dead. <laughs> We'd be breaking some news, I think. Prince uh, is it's not dead, but let's say it's on life support. It's not, uh, it's not in good shape. So, over your career here, and obviously you didn't start your career here in Las Vegas. You uh, have a, a long story career in a bunch of different places, but I think the folks in this room probably know you best from the work that you've been doing here. Um, I have a question right off the top about, right now, Las Vegas gaming especially, a lot of big personalities, especially if you go back, you've got your, if you go back, Jay Sarno, who Dave wrote a book about, but in our modern era, Steve Wynn, Sheldon Allison, really big personalities. These guys eventually will retire and move on. I don't get the sense that uh, the next group coming up are the same sort of big personalities. Do you agree with that or disagree? I would agree with that. I don't, uh, I mean, you know, you, the first thing you would say would be Jim Muren at, uh, at uh, MGM Grand. But I don't, uh, does that have anything to do with the parking issue? <laughs> that and the, the short changing of the booze and the cheapening of the soaps in the room and the uh, making full-time employees become contractors exactly. and... But how is that going to change? I mean, in terms of what you do and reporting on these guys, is that going to make Las Vegas boring? Well, I think that, you know, I'm a longtime sports fan, so I always think who's going to be the next, you know, colorful person. It sort of happens organically. It's not like uh, something that uh, somebody goes, okay, I'm going to step into the breach, be witty as hell, and be uh, uh, the next big thing. Uh, I don't know how you place, uh, how you replace 
a Steve Wynn because he's one of the most uh, erudite, uh, powerful people. I mean, I know one thing. If I get a call from Steve Wynn, I'm either going to get a major ass chewing <laughs> or it's going to be the best story of the year. It's, it's, it's that. I don't see anybody else out there that, that uh, is capable of performing that. <laughs> Can you give us an example of an ass chewing yeah, and a major yeah. story of the year? So, let's go to great yeah, I got a, a couple years ago, more than a, well, four or five years ago, when he was getting a divorce, and it was in the um, uh, in, in the, uh, the tabloids in New York. I got a call from uh, the publicist at the Win that said, "Now, I I just have to tell you that um, this um, isn't coming from me." Steve says that he would prefer that you stop writing about this divorce because it's fucking with the bottom line. <laughs> and I said, please don't tell Steve this, but I don't think I'm the reason I'm fucking with the bottom line. <laughs> so, I, I agree with you. Uh, what's that? So how does that work? As having not gotten an ass from Steve Wynn personally, at least not verbally, do, does, does someone call you first, or does your phone ring and it's like, Norm, this is Steve, blah, 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 blah. Well, a, a couple of years ago, well, five, six years ago, he called me up and said, uh, let's make a deal. Uh, I'll give you my cell phone if you call me before you write something that might fuck with my bottom line. <laughs> That's fine. And said, uh, so about a year and a half ago, uh, what's the, uh, the, uh, the, the new uh, property that's going up? Malaysian property that's going up? Uh, Resorts uh, World. Yeah, right. Resorts World, folks. Resorts World. Um, I was tipped by somebody that I put a lot of faith in that, that the, uh, the, the face of that project uh, stood at a waiting line, um, a red carpet, if you will, for the various uh, dignitaries to show up. And, and somebody came up to him and said, and my source was standing there, and said that um, uh, it's time to go in, Mr. So-and-so. And so he went in, and my source followed him in, a photographer, and Heard somebody say, Mr. Wynn and his wife have arrived. Would you like to go out and greet them? And the response was, no. <laughs> and I wrote that. I tried to reach, I tried to reach Wynn. We have a dispute over that. I <laughs> I for sure I called the proper person and uh, so I, I knew about two days later when I get the call that said, Mr. Wynn is on the line. <laughs> and uh, I've never met anybody who can connect so many hyphens together. <laughs> <laughs> and all of them were directed at my parentage, <laughs> my uh, whatever. But um, I said, Steve, if, I, if, if, if I'm wrong, I'll write a retraction. And, and uh, uh, you know, one thing, I've, one thing he's said, no, I don't want a retraction. I don't want it back, I don't want it back in the news. So uh, that's, uh, I had, a, I had a, a serious, let me tell you the story. This is a man with no, with no patience whatsoever. And about 10 years ago, I called him about something and uh, uh, my, I had the tape recorder going, and I said, uh, asked him a question, and he's, I'm trying to keep up with it because this guy is totally brilliant. He can reel off about 30 words faster than anybody I know. No, my tape recorder was not working, sorry. Uh, so I'm trying to keep up. He said, did you get that? I said, I'm not gonna lie to you, I didn't get that. He said, so I'm hoping he's going to repeat it in the same way that he just gave it to me. He doesn't. 
he edits his own conversation, <laughs> gives it to me in a rewritten form. I'm furiously typing. I get three quarters of it. He goes, I hope you got that. I said, I'm not going to lie to you, Steve. I'm not going to make it up. I didn't get all of that. Could you just give me the last uh, four or five words? He goes, okay, for the fourth fucking time. <laughs> and he says it. He's, and we finish. I don't have it because he's edited that version as well. And he said, I hope you got that because I'm not going to repeat it again. And I said, okay, fine. Thank you very much, Steve. And I hung up the phone. Well, we didn't talk for about a year. And I, how many of you know Matt Drudge or know who Matt Drudge is? Sure, sure, definitely. I have dinner, my wife and I, my wife and I had dinner with Matt Drudge one, uh, one night and I told him that story. And he said, Norm, you've got to make peace with Steve Wynn, no matter what. He is too important for you not to talk to. So when, uh, oh my God, I'm trying to think of the daytime talk show host that died about eight, 10 years, eight, 10 years ago, really heavy set guy. Uh, Somebody help me. Anybody know? Drew Carey? No. <laughs> Same body shape. Same body shape. What's that? Burr Griffin. Burr Griffin, yes. Yeah, okay, they got on me. All right. I think, okay, how do I get back, how do I get back into uh, the uh, wind sphere? And uh, so I called I call him back up and said, uh, I, I called him up and said, uh, 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 this, I was not on the favorite list at this point. I was, uh, I had to go through the secretary and she wanted to know what I wanted to talk about. And I said, I want to talk about the death of Merv Griffin. Very pleasant voice of Steve Winder comes on the phone <laughs> and talks and talks and talks for 45 minutes. It was one of the most amazing interviews that I, that I ever got. I mean, he, he bounced around from Merv Griffin to Benny Binion to everything. And uh, I mean, it was, it was end of, end of the little feud. Maybe not in his mind, but in my mind it was. And, uh, but another time he was really, he was really coarse with me. And one thing I've been told when I first got here was don't take it personal when Steve Wynn calls you and goes ballistic because he's probably going to call you in a couple days and say, um, not even mention that anything happened before. He's just going to say about it. So sure enough, that happened. I mentioned something about the CIA, the the uh, uh, not not the CIA, but the uh, the other CIA, the other CIA, <laughs> shadow CIA. The NSA? The FBI? No, the, uh, the cooking school. The, the oh, the culinary school. Really not the other CIA. Got it. Okay. <laughs> you guys are catching on real fast. And, he, and I, I said that uh, there, there's uh, uh, rumors that they're going to start a uh, Western branch of the CIA in, uh, in Las Vegas. And I get this phone call. It says, Steve Wynn is on the phone. Hello, Steve. Uh, I'm really fascinated by that story. That would really be unbelievable. It was just like this. And people said that's basically how he is. He goes from um, extremely uh, overheated to like if nothing ever happened. And in some cases, he goes from overheated to ballistic. <laughs> is that common, especially with these billionaire folks, like to be super hot and cold like that? I mean, do you find that is a common thing with a lot of these personalities? Well, I d I've only had a couple conversations with Sheldon Adelson, so I, I don't I don't know that much. Uh, I don't know. I can't say that much about his personality. 
uh, Jim Muren, I've had a lot of conversations with, and he is, uh, he's always very accommodating and very articulate and uh, answers the question and takes it beyond. And sometimes publicists have kind of been pulling him away and he still is helpful. And I, I tell you what, I appreciate that a lot because more and more, the one thing I've seen is that that publicists see when the conversation is wading into an area where they don't, really don't want it, and so they're they're going. Yes, and they they asked me before, what are you going to ask about? What are you going to ask him about? And I'll say about this and this, and I reserve the right to ask those questions, but to move a, to to to. Spin off into the question based on what they've said. You're not a very good journalist if you just go in with a set few questions, or if you allow the publicist to, to tell you you can't ask him this, or we you know we'd rather you don't ask him about this. So I've done that, but Jim Muren is one guy that's been a stand-up guy. I've always appreciated that. It's now parking notwithstanding. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you can you think of an instance where you got some kind of a tip and you said to yourself, oh boy, if this turns out to be a thing, this is going to be a big thing? Any story like that that comes to mind that really got you uh, got you got your gears turning? I got a call one night uh, that said uh, Tiger Woods just checked in and uh, at the MGM Grand, and thirty minutes later. This person called me back and said, he just checked out. Oh. <laughs> and, and then years later, a couple years later, when all this other stuff came out, it turned out that he arrived for uh, some gambling and other stuff. <laughs> that was the night his dad died. And he rushed off then to California to be with his dad, you, you would think. But the stories that came out is that he, was, he chose to be with one of his concubines instead of being at his father's bedside when he died. That, to me, was all you needed to know about Tiger at that time. Wow. Doing what, doing what you do and writing the kinds of stories that you've written, how often did you come to sort of butt heads with the other folks at the paper? I mean, you're writing details about folks that don't want them out there a lot of the time. Is that, was that an issue where you constantly had to make tweaks? And how, how does that process work? Rarely, rarely, rarely did I ever run into that at the RJ. Uh, one time I put in something that was hard to get around, and that was that Bill Clinton was having a party at um, a Greenspun. Greenspuns are the competition with the RJ or semi-competition. Um, and it was hard for me to, uh, it would have been bullshit to say Bill Clinton was in town at a private residence and such right, and such. Right, right. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna put that in. And the next day, uh, somebody said that, uh, and I don't think it came from the publisher, but somebody said, uh, you know, I don't know if you're aware or not, but we're in competition with the <laughs> Greenspuns. I said, no, I'm, I'm totally in. But what am I going to say, that he showed up at this residence or something? And right. So, no, I put, I, I put that in. But it, it was so rare. It was so, it really, truly was so rare that, now, I had a great relationship with our attorney, <laughs> and he let me know on occasion when uh, he didn't. And speaking of Tiger Woods, I got the tip, some of you might recall, that on Wednesday, a day before Thanksgiving, whatever it was, 70 years ago, I got the tip that there was a big story about to explode with um, involving a major, and I was told who it was, uh, involving Tiger Woods, and they had Las Vegas angles, and I was told what the angles were, 
and I ran it through it, I sent it to editor, publisher, and attorney. And I knew I would hear back from the attorney. <laughs> and he said, here's what they want to do. We're, we're going to let you run this story, but we're not going to let you name who it is. And I think there was one other stipulation to it. Um, or, where you got, or, or where you got it from. So I was fine with that. I ran something to the, uh, to the effect that um, uh, look for a, a major, uh, a ma a, a look for a major story to break soon on a um, legendary sports star who's involved in a, uh, in a scandal. Well, when you write a story like that, you don't expect <laughs> it to break the next day with the guy's wife chasing him around the car <laughs> with a one iron. So that was, uh, that was one of the, I mean, you truly don't, I mean, that, that was about as, as, as good as it gets. I mean, the only way it could have been better is if I could have used his name, but yeah. Did you, can you think of any instance where you got a tip and you just said to yourself, this can't possibly be true. I mean, this can't be, just a weird, some kind of weirdly weird story where you just, you couldn't believe it and then it, it turned out that, yeah, indeed it was true. Yeah. <laughs> last, uh, last uh, early, early this year, I got a call from a uh, person that's high up in the political world back in Washington, D.C. He says, I got a great story for you. I just played golf with Donald Trump and he's gonna run for president. <laughs> and I thought, no fucking way. <laughs> I, I never ran it, I never ran it. I mean, it would have been, it easily would have been a, a major scoop, but my gut told me, there's no way he's gonna run for president. No way he's gonna win. I mean, I, I my, maybe I, I maybe I allowed some of my my uh, 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 my my gut instinct was that this this is this is a <laughs> this is not somebody. This is not presidential material. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's as political as I get right there. <laughs> Um, you've been reporting in Vegas for a long time. If you had to sum it up, how would you say it's changed over the course that you've been here in terms of what you've seen and what you, what you write about? Well, the biggest thing that's changed, of course, is the internet. When I first got here, the uh, RJ gave me a laptop. When I was in Denver, a city much, much larger, newspapers much larger, I didn't have my own laptop. I had to go into the library and wait in the line for two or three people. This sounds. Uh, this is not very long ago. This is 17 years ago, and uh, the I thought that I was like cutting e cutting edge when uh, they gave me my own laptop, and uh, uh, but then that changed. But what really changed everything was Twitter. Really. Then then it was all about ownership of a story, and. You were going to put your name on that. If you were going to send it out, you were putting your name on that story and your reputation. And uh, some people um, don't have a problem with being loose with the facts. But I spent, I spent, uh, I spent uh, 12, 12, 13 years with the Associated Press, and um, I was, um, I was, I was not going to, I was not going to blow it uh, just with this. Fancy this wonderful little uh, tool that you could uh, get more immediacy on news, and uh, it, it truly did change things. And you know, and the, and the photos you can take. Uh, I mean, it's remember when it wasn't that long ago they wouldn't allow a cell phone in a in a show. Yeah, it's changed. They so announced much. that they wouldn't allow it. Right. And now these days people wouldn't buy a ticket if they couldn't bring their phone. I mean, they would stay home or yeah. do something else. Uh, they would throw you out if you had a cell phone, if you were taking uh, cell phones and uh, taking pictures. So that's really changed. And, and it's amazing to me how fast that changed when they realized the power of, of 
all these spores coming out of somebody. I mean, one of the first to realize how important it was was Celine Dion and her, and her husband. Really? They never announced it. They, they never, they, they ever, you know what, they did, they did, they did earlier uh, announce that, uh, that you couldn't do it. And then they saw the value, realized the value of, of uh, this. So, no, it's, um, Twitter really changed it. Facebook Live now, I think, is having a big, uh, a big effect. And uh, I mean, who knows where it's going next? I mean, we've seen in five years. It's, it's changed so dramatically. Indeed. Who do you think uh, of all the folks that you've been covering in your job here? Who do you think is the best at sort of using the media to get their message out in terms of if, if it's a game that they're playing, who's who's good at playing the other side of the of the board? Well, I think they're. I think they're all pretty good at doing that. Uh, they have. They spend millions of dollars to 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 make sure that they uh, spin it the way that they want it. Um, I I have an example of when Roy Horn was attacked by the uh, tiger or. Tiger tried to save him. <laughs> that that part of it came out rather quickly, and I think that it was greeted with uh, uh, howls of laughter and all. But to this day, uh, Siegfried or Roy will will uh, say to me, uh, "That tiger, that tiger was not attacking me." To this day, he's he's still uh, absolutely convinced. It's pretty amazing. I might feel like I might have a different opinion if I was in his position, but you never know. Uh, Dave, I know that you had a question that you wanted to uh, that you wanted to ask. Yeah, I have, I have one that just occurred to me as we're talking. You've butted heads with a couple of people over the years. What what is your favorite view that you've had? Well, I don't. I, I think it's probably no secret that I that I ran into some issues with Pete Rose. His right hand to my face was one of the issues. Uh, Chris Angel threatened to uh, uh, that I said that I would need a second eye patch. If I Shut the fuck up. Associated Press. I have a good relationship with him until I find out that he is um, uh, thinking about leaving the Reds if they don't pay him more money. So my source is um, is outstanding. Knew him from childhood. Covered him from childhood. So I, I, I didn't just run off and report it. I waited until I had a chance to talk to Pete, which just so happened to be while he's in the shower. <laughs> I didn't want to share that story with anybody. I mean, I did not want to, I did not want to ask him a question around a bunch of other reporters and, and tip him off to what I had. So I followed him into the shower and, I know, a little creepy. Uh, I kept the conversation at this level <laughs> and uh, said, uh, uh, Pete, here's what I've got. Confirm it. Can you confirm it or deny it? He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll, this is like in October. He said, call me in November and I'll fill you in on it. I said, Pete, in November, you're going to tell the Cincinnati Inquirer and the Cincinnati Post that I'm going to be third. And if the Associated Press finds out that I'm third and I, I got it last and I'm making deals with people I'm covering, 
they're not going to think very highly of me as a as a journalist, as somebody that they put a lot of faith in as being an aggressive, uh, tenacious reporter. He goes, call me in November. And I said, be, confirm or deny it. He said, I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to confirm it. I'm not going to deny it. But if you write that story, I will never talk to you again. Well, I wrote the story. <laughs> a um, that was the story was that he was um, he told his agent that if the red find find if the reds find me too rich for their blood, they can trade my ass to Philadelphia. So I wrote that, and I get a call from a, like the program director at at a Philadelphia station and said, asked. Can I talk to Norm Clark? I said, this is? Did you really talk to Pete Rose about this? I said, yes. Um, well, it sort of reads like um, that, I mean, we're not really sure. This just sounds too far out there. We're not going to run the story. And I said, you know, that's up to you. That's fine. Well, Pete went on that night on Monday Night Football and said uh, Howard Cosell at halftime uh, teased it by saying, we're going to have Pete Rose on, the, um, on, on, on with us to straighten out the story. So Pete goes on and says, that guy from AP has never got anything right. There's nothing to it. And guess what? He goes to Philadelphia. He ends up going to Philadelphia. So fast forward about 30 years. I am working here. He's working here. He's got the uh, he's got the uh, collect uh, the sports collection thing going on over at uh, at that time. I think it was at Caesar's Palace. I get a phone call one day, and they want to know if I will uh, like to have lunch with Pete after 20-some years, and I'm going, sure. So I go have lunch with Pete and six other people, and we BS, and we have a good time, and, and at the end of it, I give him my uh, book about Las Vegas. And as I'm walking to the, to the car, I'm thinking, it's the parking lot, I'm thinking, holy shit, did, did I, do I have him in there? And I go, oh God, I've got him, I've got him, I've got him under worse tempers. <laughs> and then I thought, well, you know what? It took me like 15 years to see him. I won't run into him again for another couple of years. Two weeks later, I'm, I'm sitting with Matt Drudge and my wife-to-be, and Pete Rose goes by, and Matt Drudge says, Norm, it goes, that's Pete, that Pete Rose is walking by. And I yell, hey, Pete, hey, Pete, hey, Pete. I know he can hear me, but he keeps walking. Finally, he turns around and gives me this hope wave and this kind of forced smile. And I'm thinking, what the hell is that all about? And next thing I know, I see him walking up to the table. I stand up to introduce him and whack. He bitch slaps me <laughs> and says, you son of a bitch, you may be the fifth worst tipper in your bleeping book. <laughs> I remember thinking, I remember thinking, note to self, the next time I write a book, don't give him a free copy. <laughs> Chris Angel, Chris Angel, uh... <laughs> Chris Angel's girlfriend was in the Miss USA contest, and uh, I got a, a call that he was in the uh, in an Elton John show with uh, Pamela Anderson, and they were pretending that they were in love or in heat or something, <laughs> and cuddling and all, and they made a real show of it. So I wrote something along that line, and. The next night was the finals, or not, uh, the telecast. Well, his girlfriend is, is not among the top 10 in the first 15 minutes. 
Oh, I got ahead of myself. When they brought everybody out, they they had Miss Nevada over here, Miss Connecticut here, etc., etc. And suddenly there's a guy walking down the aisle with a flask in his back pocket, and he's it's during a commercial break, and he says, Miss Connecticut, Nevada, move up here. Miss Connecticut, move back there. And I'm going, that's Chris Angel. And the girlfriend is going, and finally he sits down and NBC comes up and puts a camera in his face and he goes, <laughs> and so I, uh, I had a pretty good uh, idea that he wasn't in a good mood. <laughs> and when my uh, uh, girlfriend and I were walking down to the after party, we hear these thundering feet and I'm thinking, who the hell's letting their kids run free <laughs> so close to this area that's just emptying? And all of a sudden, there is Chris Angel and his brothers and a uh, little entourage, his publicist and all, and he uh, says, uh, uh, you, uh, uh, you better, you better, um, I better not read anything else about me, or you're, or I'm. Uh, you're not gonna. You're not gonna get an interview with me for the next ten years. And I, uh, this was probably not the classiest remark I ever made. <laughs> but I said, I'll try to get over it, Chris. <laughs> I inserted myself into the story. I don't think I inserted myself into the story. I think that, so anyway, he, when I said that, his, he comes at me uh, and his publicist grabs him, but it was odd that he, the publicist grabbed him and, and Angel sort of went limp, like, God damn it, let me go, let me get him out. And, uh, Real tough guy. And I said, he's uh, an angel, he said something about, uh, he, says, he said, keep it up and you're gonna need two eye patches. So I go, Good one, Chris. Never heard that one before. <laughs> so we go into, uh, my wife and I, not Chris and I, uh, together, we go into the VIP party. I look over and he's talking to the, he, uh, the, the president of the place going, that son of a bitch ought to be thrown out of here, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I, I wrote about it and uh, my, um, my bosses That, that I would uh, make myself part of that story. So, end of that boring story. No, that was great. We all love it. Chris Angel. Uh, Charles, did you have a, a question? or a I, I do, and it's uh, directly in continuance of Dave's question about the feuds. Uh, I would like to defer this question to my dear friend, uh, Miss Nomer, out here on the back, he, he has a, a couple things, something he'd like to, uh, to, uh, to mention. Hi, Norm. Hey, Mr. Colbert. Thank you for taking my question. Sure. Uh, my question is simply this. Uh, we all know that Robin Leach is an asshole. <laughs> I was uh, in front of, uh, I was in front of, like, 
I wasn't in front of, I was one of 400 baseball writers in 1988 at the uh, baseball winter meetings, and I, Denver was trying to get a major league team, and Peter Uberoff, the commissioner, famous for dismissing people uh, outright, uh, I, uh, I knew that my newspaper expected the best out of me, and so I asked for the microphone and said, uh, uh, Commissioner Uberoff, Norm Clark of the Rocky Mountain News. Can you tell me why Denver, uh, according to Ballard Smith and San Diego Padres, is not, um, it is not, um, is, is this a roundabout question, is, is not eligible, would not qualify uh, for getting a major league team? And he goes, next question. So no reporter I know worth their salt is going to take that for a no. I mean, take that for uh, uh, the end of story. So I watched which way he went off the dais, and I moved around. I, I was standing in a circle next to him. And I wait for somebody to ask their, their finish, him finish a question, and I said, Commissioner Uberoff, uh, not to be, um, with all due respect, why would baseball find Denver um, not qualified to be a major league friend, uh, to be the, uh, the city with a major league baseball team? And he bitch slaps me. <laughs> Hittable face. <laughs> I've never figured that out. But anyway, his press secretary came to me five minutes later and said the commissioner would like to apologize. Um, I go, what the f? What's he thinking? I mean, all, all you got to do is is why didn't why didn't the commissioner have the guts to come out and say, Norm, I'm sorry. I covered the commissioner throughout the LA Olympics. I was the coordinator of the Olympics for AP, and. Apparently, at some point during the Olympics, I must have really pissed him off. And all I <laughs> well, we've got to wrap this up, but uh, I want to slip in um, at least two more questions. Uh, and the first one is, you know, what is your favorite story that you have covered over your career? If you, I'm sure there are many. Um, and I would say publisher, unpublisher, presuming you publish all the, the best stuff. But, uh, you know, if there's some top secret story you haven't told anyone, well, we won't tell anyone. Let's make some news. Well, the, the, you know, the, the biggest story, I've, I've had the, the great fortune of, of being a, an Associated Press reporter for 12 years, um, worked at the Rocky Mountain News in Denver on a very highly competitive story. They hired me for one reason, get the story, beat the Denver Post at getting with finding out if Denver's going to get a major league team. So I broke that story. That would probably be number one because it meant so much to me because I truly felt that if I didn't get that story, I would leave the city in shame. I broke that story. I'm happy to say I broke the story about the I broke the story about what the team name was gonna be and uh, in succession, other stories. Denver Post is convinced that these stories were all fed to me, but they were not fed to me. I, I had to piss off a lot of people to get that information. <laughs> um, as far as Denver's, as far as Las Vegas is concerned, I think the Britney Spears story would be up there. The Britney Spears wedding, the 55-hour marriage. I got a call one day that uh, I'm uh, a couple hours away from deadline, and somebody calls me and says, "Hey, Norm, you aware that uh, Britney Spears got married last night?" No. Yeah, she married uh, George Maloof. I go, oh yeah, I got that story. Yeah, oh you got that story? I said, yeah, I got that story covered. This is somebody punking me, I'm sure. So I hang up the phone and my girlfriend is in town and says, uh, what the hell was that all about? I said, somebody just called, they're punking, they're playing with me, said that George Maloof and Britney Spears got married. She goes, what? And, and I realized, I looked down at my phone and it says 402 area code. And I said, where's that? Where's 402 area code? She goes, Nebraska. She's from Nebraska. I go, 
who the hell would be calling me from Nebraska? So I, before I could call somebody at the Palms, I get a phone call from a local attorney who says, um, Norm, are you aware that uh, about what's happening at the Palms? I said, yeah, Britney Spears, Britney Spears married George Maloof, right? <laughs> He goes, George Maloof, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, I said, I figured you were the second guy that's trying to punk me. And uh, uh, he says, no, you're half right. Britney Spears got married, and some attorneys are trying to get get her out of this thing. Well, 55, 55 hours later, they got it. But I'll just tell you, I'll just give you one quick little scenario. Um, one of the sightings I got during the time between they got married and the time they got divorced was this childhood friend of hers, Jason Alexander, I believe his name was, walked, uh, was seen walking around the casino barefooted with a big gulp in his hand. So I, that never got it, in, never got it, made it into any of my stories, but, uh, uh, well, are your favorite? Are your favorite? <coughs> Do you have a favorite? Um, <coughs> Michael Jackson story. Hmm. I got. A, I'm on my way to Nebraska uh, to spend Christmas with my wife's family, and I get a phone call from a guy that I know who's very trustworthy, who said, "Are you going to be free Christmas Eve?" And I said. Uh, probably, and I'm thinking time zone, two hours difference. He said, I've got a hell of a story for you. Um, I said, and that would be, he said, promise me you're not gonna write it until it happens. He said, no one else is gonna have it. I promise you that. Michael Jackson and his kids are gonna be flying in from Ireland, and uh, they're gonna land at this this uh, private, air, uh, private airport out at uh, McCarran, and uh, um, I will call you to confirm when he's landed. And I'm thinking, this, this is true, and I had no reason not to believe him, that this is gonna be one of the biggest stories in the world, because he had just spent, remember, a, a year and a half in, in self-exile after the uh, right. I believe he was exonerated in the, the uh, 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 trial and all. So I tell my wife, or my wife-to-be, and the mother that I'm probably not going to be able to join you guys for dinner, for an early dinner. Um, I'm working on something, and uh, sure enough, I get a call from him. He said uh, they have landed. They're coming down the stairways right now. I said, how many cars, how many uh, limos do you have there? He said, we have two or three. Uh, I said, I want to get some other color. Uh, where are they going to go? He said, well, I can't tell you that, but they have a residence here. So I put that in. I popped that in the paper the next morning, Christmas Day. Least red paper in the color. And on Monday, one of the top gossip columnists in Hollywood comes out with a story saying there's a report out that Michael Jackson has flown from uh, has uh, flown from from Ireland to the U.S. and is going to try to come back in Las Vegas. Pay no heed to that story; it's, <laughs> it's bogus. Uh, my sources tell me my best. My best sources tell me that this is not true, and it was true. It was uh, it was truly one of the the, um, the 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 better stories that you know you can't get much bigger than Michael Jackson flying in to start a comeback in Las Vegas. Right, indeed. All right, I have one final question. It's a tough one. Who is going to win the World Series this year? I know you're a baseball fan. Oh. What do your sources say? I just spent two days in uh, San Francisco and saw the Cubs come back. Yeah. They came back again tonight. They got this late, late inning uh, lightning that uh, that uh, they again did. 
I think they've got the depth. I think they've got the power. Um, um, I like the Cubs a lot. All right. Well, that would definitely be newsworthy as well. Um, let's give Norm a really big hand. super fun. So, um, I know folks probably want to maybe use the restroom or get a beer or whatever. We'll give you just a couple of minutes and then Dr. Dave is going to uh, regale us with some fine stories. So, uh, give you a couple of minutes to settle and then uh, we'll have Dave on and then uh, we'll have the folks at Five Money by Midnight after that. So, see you in just a couple of minutes.